0: DJ PK and David Locke. David Locke's weekly interviews brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are That's you? Good. Why are you not great today, DJ? Well, it's early. I'm going to improve throughout the day. I don't want to peak too early. Well, I, mean, I don't mean to be rude, but you're halfway through your shift, so
1: I hope that you're. Improve quickly. This is kind of like, so what you just Sure,
0: play it but, quarter or like how's it work? But I'm only, uh, I'm only, uh, I'm only twenty percent of the way through the day.
1: Oh, okay. I mean,
0: I got you. But you know, your coaches are
1: wondering why your first half performance is one for four when they need about twenty four from you.
0: Well, I'm going to hit a homer in the seventh inning, so back off, okay? Okay. Um, and how's my friend PK? Oh, yeah, I'm all right. How you doing? <laughs>
1: Come on, E.R., what's up?
2: Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's funny that you went basketball. He went baseball, though.
1: And
0: That was a weird. So was he a weird. said
2: one for four, and he was talking shooting, and you said home run, DJ, so right. you were talking baseball. He was talking basketball.
0: Well, it happens. <laughs> now,
1: well, the only thing I don't understand is where in baseball anyone gets to go one for four in the first few innings, so that's
0: where E.R. Yeah. DJ DJ's off. That's a doubleheader.
1: So, you guys, I've been reading the newspaper all morning. It's all about Fauci's comments yesterday about the NFL needs to be in a bubble, the NFL coming out and saying, we're not going in a bubble, we're having an ecosystem, and it's shared responsibility, and then the translation to college gets really daunting with all the cases that are actually breaking out at all these camps right now, because the college kids, you can't keep in an ecosystem or a bubble because they need to be part of the college campus, or else they're just blatantly mercenaries. So what's your thought? What's We're, we're getting awfully
2: <laughs> close to this. What's going to happen? Well, I mean, the, we, we had on Dr. Petron from the U, and, and college kids have, uh, what, what did he say?
0: Oh, it was like a 0.0, you know, one in three million chance, whatever yeah. the math works out to, of dying.
2: Yeah. I mean, getting it does not mean it's fatal. I mean, No. Someone so got it. Oh, no. Okay. Well. Well, but, the problem is, but
1: the problem is that they, they end up spreading it, and those people spread it to other people.
0: So right? then the answer and with the, the college, the people that, see, are that risk. but yes, yes, and they can spread it to people who in are theory. at risk, in theory. They can spread it to people who don't have health insurance, who will not die from it, but end up with massive medical bills. I mean, there's a few nightmare scenarios you can probably paint, but I think to your point, David, that the answer for the college kids is to get them on campus because they will have less interaction. I've heard coaches talk about, you know, we have kids where there's 7, 10, 12 people, whatever, living in the house, extended families, people couch surfing or whatever, and that is a really easy way to spread it that you're safer getting them on campus and they're not going to interact with grandparents on campus now they might interact with older coaches so i suppose there's that to look out for but i think as it becomes more prevalent in society here in utah you're know, in 500 cases where well, we weren't having that a couple months ago i think we had 495 or something the other day so maybe they're safer on campus than they are off it as opposed to yeah, going to they, a public gym, you're going to the school's right. gym, which is getting clean three times a day or whatever.
1: I mean, it's clear we're moving forward with every league that's going to try to play. And yeah. so, the next question is going to be what are we doing with outbreaks? How are we reacting to them? When are they a societal concern? We, you have coaches around that are not necessarily young. I, it's interesting. I, I'm not... I'd have to talk to David. I, I'm I like him a ton and I would call him a good friend. Um, so I need to probably hear the whole interview, but it's, it's interesting. I, I, I that's an, uh, it's it seems like it's a funky data point to me. Like if those college kids were only interacting with other college kids for their entire time period, which we're talking about, then that data point to me has relevancy. But the fact that they're not, that they're interacting with coaches, coaches are taking it other places that there's a spread factor to who they're dealing with and the fact that they may be leaving campus to see other people um, seems to me that that's not the greatest data point.
2: Especially if you're a Democrat.
1: Well, no, actually. It has nothing to do with it. It just has to do with numbers. (laughs) That's what
2: they say.
0: I've actually heard that the people at colleges (laughs) who are the most nervous are professors who some of them may trend older. Who are Democrats. (laughs) Who else? Hey, were?
1: Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger's is a good Republican for you there, PK. Good out. Republican. Did you see what he hard was doing? Mass, what are you talking about? Hard <laughs> mask. He also LaVista yesterday, <laughs> or on with Ga- when when Gavin Newsom came out with the California everyone must wear a mask rule.
2: Yeah, I oh, think it's a different that's your boy thing, Arnold yeah. right
1: there. Arnold? Arnold. How wearing a how, By the way, there is no greater someone who likes data and analytics there is no greater example of like the power of of propaganda that the mask has become like somehow a political like that's the ultimate example of like noise and um bubble bubble information and it's pretty incredible it's pretty pretty unbelievable
2: Everything is political.
1: Right. No, it's just a great example. Like, it's something that simple that actually, you know, like, There, right, you got you got my point. I'm not making a value judgment on... I understand. Well, I got you. Like, yeah, you're like, right. The, I data do. Is, <coughs> the data is very clear. I agree with you. I'm making a larger statement. The fact that this has become an issue yeah. is an incredible representation of how much media can be propaganda and how much sure. mind manipulation you can have.
2: Oh, I agree
0: 100%. Because the countries that are wearing masks where they've had uh, outbreaks of different diseases before and where it's normal, Yak was telling us about his two years in Taiwan. Yeah, if somebody like, If somebody in your family gets sick, you wear a mask around town, and it's just normal. And so Taiwan, Japan, South Korea, New Zealand, Singapore all have better numbers than us. They don't have as many people sick. They're able to open their economy. New Zealand had a game with 43,000 people at the game. Oh, they're fully open, aren't they? Yeah, it's rugby, and I don't know anything about rugby, but it just looked cool to be at a game with 43,000 people.
2: It's funny how some people just get so worked up over this mask stuff. Like, they're not going to wear it. I mean, they just, they get almost violent.
0: I know. (laughs) You see see, see the
1: Aubrey Hub video? I'd rather die than wear a mask.
0: I'd rather wear a mask and open the economy and get back to my as normal as possible life. right.
1: Well, here's what's really interesting about
0: that. we so want to get into the sociological aspects of it.
1: So the Asian populations, the reason you're wearing a mask, if someone in your family gets sick and and, and Jake can jump in here, is a respect for your fellow citizen. Those are collective communities. you You don't want to lose face individually is a whole huge part of the burden of being Asian in those countries. We're all stereotyping here, but this is this is that's what you do in cultural conversations. And so, you know, you could not show your face, as they say, if you were to get your workplace sick. Right, that would be the ultimate.
0: Yeah, that'd be embarrassing.
1: Right, you can't do. And in our culture, it's all individual. We have no collective collectiveness in who we are. So the idea that the reason you wear a mask is because you're actually protecting those around you far more than you're protecting yourself. is just not in our culture where it is a hundred percent in their culture. That's what you're doing. Every, everything you're doing all day long in the Asian culture is about respecting those around you. And, and that's how, you know, I mean, Jake Jake can probably jump in having lived there, but I obviously spent a lot of time in Japan recently and, and understand that culture pretty well, but that's, that's the difference here. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's really, it's incredible. I mean, the, the no mask wearing is actually just a lack of respect for your other citizens around you because the mask protects those around you much more than protects yourself.
0: So the NBA is going into the bubble. The countdown is on. Have you analyzed uh, the numbers without Bogdanovich and how the Jazz are going to do?
1: Um, I have, I mean, it's, it's interesting. So, you you know, you're going to go with Joe and Royce and, and Mike and Donovan. And so that, that's where you're going to still be okay. Um, there's, I mean, I can try to build a case that will be okay, um, Our lowest pick-and-roll numbers were with Bogdanovich, so those pick-and-roll numbers now, those pick-and-rolls will move to Joe or Mike or Donovan. Um, We've struggled a little bit when we have Joe, Mike, and Donovan on the floor together with all three point guards, and so they're going to have to do something pretty quick in that rotation. Um, We protected Bogdanovich's defense all year long by having him play virtually every single minute with Rudy Gobert. Do you do some quick substitutions with George Niang to try to create the same environment? Um, Obviously, shooting is our strength, Uh, with, you know, the best three point shooting team in the league, the best catch and shoot shooting team in the league, the best offensive team in the league since December 24th. Bogdanovich was a massive, massive part of that. And so, therefore, you're going to, you know, trying to, you're going to have to be that good because we have not proven to be good enough to, to win defensively like we did in years past. We have, we're on the verge of trying to improve that when all this broke out. Um, so, I mean, I think it's going to be awfully hard. Um, To handle that, Um, maybe the interesting one is if you're if you end up matched up with Oklahoma City, um, they don't really have the four man that unless they're playing Gallinari at the four, that could cause Niang a lot of problems if they're playing you know Basie or Dort or one of those guys there and playing Gallinari at the three, um, so then then it's not as big an issue. When they go to their three-point guard mold, you're going to have a hard time because playing them a little bit. But um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, I don't have a good answer for you, DJ. I mean, I've tried to find some things that are positives. And, you know, at that point, you're kind of picking at Bogdanovich's weaknesses, which feels like it's kind of uncouth and, and not very fair to a guy who's had an amazing year.
2: How much different is it in this situation with the injury to Bogdanovich? Because... Obviously, they've known about it for weeks. They will go in when they resume practice and then the, whatever they do in Orlando, whether it's some form of scrimmaging or what have you. So my point is, this isn't happening during the season where everything is on the fly, man. It's just go, 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 as opposed to where they've had time to understand it and then they'll have some practice time as they go forward. Can that mitigate it to a degree?
1: I like the logic behind what you're saying. I think you're accurate. Um, same thing with the Spurs without Aldridge. And frankly, all the numbers show the Spurs will be way better without Aldridge. And now if they have time to prepare without it, I think they'll, they'll even be even better. Um, so, yes, I think you're right and you've got your plan on it. Uh, it's not clear to me how much practice time these groups are really going to have. You know, that was the actually... Uh, other than the buzzers that when you get within five feet of each other or six feet of each other for five seconds to go off, and I have this, like, great visual of everybody getting electric shocks, like running around the bubble, which is not what it is, but it's just kind of a, see this, like, cartoon um, taking place. But the other one was just that individual workouts, I, I, it wasn't clear to me that there was a lot of practice time in Salt Lake City as a group prior to leaving in early July, to go to the bubble, the way I read that. And then you go to the bubble and sit for 36 hours. And then I guess you can start practicing there. And so then you do get about two weeks of practice in Orlando, and I guess not a lot else. But I'm not clear on how many five on five, you know, full practices you're going to be able to get to implement things. I do know I was talking to Quinn this week and um, you know, his brain is going like he had this wild idea for this and this other idea for this. And like his basketball brain is going, he's working a tremendously large amount on the diversity coaching diversity committee that he's on with Lloyd Pearson and that, that they're working on. And he's been doing a huge amount of things internally with the jazz um, to, you know, for raise awareness and let people have their voice and talk about all these issues. So those, that has probably taken more of his time recently. Um, But his, his basketball brain is going. And I do think to your point, PK, also having three months off with basketball geniuses could end up with some interesting ideas and attempts. And, you know, there, I think there's a little bit of a feeling around the league talking to some other people of, Hey, well, we got eight games in the playoffs. Might as well try stuff. Like let's, let's try stuff. Let's see what might happen or what might go wrong or, or see what happens.
0: David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So. Do you think this – I know there's a lot of Jazz fans worried the Jazz are going to play the Rockets and they have problems with the Rockets and all that. The Rockets were going really poorly going into this. Do you think the Rockets were going really poorly into this and this time off will fix them because Harden will rest, he'll be healthier, he gets – you know, the the storyline, whether it's true or not, has been that he gets worn down late in the year because he carries such a load all year long. So this could be really different and they could be great or – there's just something fundamentally mentally wrong with the Rockets, and the league is caught up with their ultimate small ball, and they're really not going to be a factor. You buy either one of those storylines?
1: So I think, you, um, I think this one's going to just kind of almost go to where you were before it all went down. So I was a believer in the Rockets roster as they composed it after trading Clint Capella. And and I phrase that specifically like it's not that I'm a universal believer in small ball. I was a universal believer that with a non-shooter in Russell Westbrook, you can't have another non-shooter in Clint Capella on the floor and allow James Harden and Russell Westbrook to be successful. And so that the only way you may be able to get the most out of Russell Westbrook is to open up the floor in the way they have and play without a big man and have Robert Covington play your center or P.J. Tucker because they spread the floor and let him drive. Otherwise, he's running into traffic and playing a mid-range, ineffective mid-range game and a poor three-point shooting game. So I'm a believer in what the Rockets did with their moves, and I'm a believer in the way the Rockets were playing, which of how they were playing. And they were terrible before the break, which, since I believe it, I either have to decide that I was wrong, which really I have no interest in doing, right? To <laughs> um, or to two, I have to decide that they were tired and that this break will refresh them and allow them to come back and show all the reasons why I believed in it. So since Henry, Henry Winkler, Patrick Kittahan, and David Locke never like to admit they're ever wrong, um, I'm going to go with that they were well, fresh to. and potent. <laughs>
2: Henry Winkler?
0: <laughs> the Happy where'd Days. You, where'd you pull that one? <laughs> the Wayback <laughs> Machine. <laughs> That's where I pulled that one from. I remember,
1: like, the. come on, don't pretend like you're 30. You're 50. Like, I know oh, no, you watch Happy I- Days.
2: I got it, but we're, we're, what, that's not the point. What made you think of Henry Winkler? I know who Henry Winkler is. Well, what made Henry, you think of him? Didn't
1: in Happy Days whenever he had to say he was wrong, he'd be like, "I, I was, I, I was, okay okay okay, 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 right. okay, okay, all right, all right, all right." Come on, dude! I knew my audience. Like, I mean, okay,
2: it didn't, it didn't hit me at first.
1: I'm wondering. And, like, you know, you really killed it because there's some, like, 26-year-old out there listening who probably thinks Henry, who heard Henry Winkler and was like, I don't know, like, probably had some insecurity complex, like, thinking I was talking about some great philosopher or sociologist. <laughs> it sounds like the name Henry Winkler, like, well, really, the Fonz, maybe they really would have a better idea. Referencing old, great, you know, thinkers of, of, of modern era, and he was, like, driving around thinking, wow, Locke's really smart, now we have to reveal it's like a stupid sitcom that aired <laughs> befo- in between Mork and Mindy and Laverne and Shirley.
2: Okay, I did not know that. But uh, going forward, man, how much do you think a premium is going to put on shooting at the expense of other aspects of the game?
1: So I was uh, talking to Matthew Delvadova because I actually ended up on a panel with him, and his viewpoint was that um, people won't be able to shoot, that that's going to be the item, that the atmosphere is different, and having just not played, and as much as you're trying to get back in shape and just nothing being normal, that the item that will slip away will be shooting, Um, which he and I I extrapolated out to that the two then most important things will be early shot clock shots that that are easy baskets, that they'll be more valuable than ever, and shots at the rim, so thus protecting the rim. Um, for that reason, he was pretty positive about Milwaukee. He was like, he thought Milwaukee's model, which is defensively, they protect the rim. Um, they don't allow, and they're allowing less than 30% of shots at the rim, which is a historical rate. And then that's they allow a huge amount of above the break threes, which is, you know, maybe by the finals, people will be back in shape. But um, he, you know, he thought that's a pretty good model. Um, okay, so that's,
0: the that's for they have this year. Getting to the rim. That's for this year. I think PK wanted to know over the next three to five years, David. Oh,
1: so give me the question. I, sorry, I was just thinking about the is the bubble. shooting
0: are in the in the coming drafts and free agencies. Are people going to prioritize shooting and say you can't defend, you don't pass that well, you don't block shots, but man, you can shoot it.
1: Um. So I think there are two things in the league that are undervalued right now. One is high-volume three-point shooters are still undervalued. So Davis, Breton, Duncan Robinson. And then the other is big men that can dunk is undervalued. Um, so if you, have those two, protect, yeah, if you have those two rim. skill
0: sets, they'll forgive everything else then?
1: Um, th- so I think those two are still super important. Like if I'm scouting and I'm looking at first – like. You know, not just the top 10 best players and I'm looking for a, trying to find a player like honestly I think the Kyle Corver, Davis Bertans Duncan Robinson they don't have to be white those three just happen to be 6 foot 8 shooters that have because of their height happen to be, happen to be able to get there are able to get off a high volume of 3 point shots because they're tall enough that they always have a shooting window so Duncan Robinson's incredible this year. I mean, his value is through the roof. People just haven't quite grasped it yet. But what's really incredible about him is that he can take 13 threes a game. When you know coming in, that's all he's going to do. He takes 13 of 13 shots as threes. That's an incredible value. Dalvis Bertans in Washington was similar this year.
0: <laughs> all right, David, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. All right, Penny Marshall reference is coming next week. <laughs> okay, we'll look forward to she that. She was into basketball. She was. Big Laker fan. Thank you, David. See ya. Uh, PK, just one thing I would tack on to the end of that. You know, if you've got a second round draft pick, this goes back to what one of our guests said this week and why uh, some people are high on Yoli Childs. To David's point, do you have some height so you have a shooting window? He's. Yoli's Mm 6'8", and he shot 48.9% from three. Now it's a college three. He's got to step back and shoot the NBA three, but that's worth the second-round pick. Put him at the end of your roster, make him a two-way player, see if he can do that. And if you wonder, well, he was kind of a bigger guy in college, can he guard perimeter people in the pros? Who cares if he can hit the three? So what? (laughs) Who cares if he can hit the three? Well, especially because it's a second-round pick. You don't need him to be a star. You just need a guy on your roster. You know, you're not asking to be Donovan Mitchell. You're asking to be Niang, be a rotation guy. Come in and give me some minutes. Yeah, that's why I asked hit the some, question. Hit some shots, right? All right, DJ and PK, Sam Merrill, too. We might as well go there, too. DJ and P although he doesn't have quite the height. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Jay Hills coming up next. Stay with us.